So we'll be reading from chapter 3, from verse 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brought of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the ox is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Praise God. Praise God for his word. You see, in this passage, we see the emerging of the figure of John the Baptist as a God's messenger to the nation of Judah. John is one of the major figures that we have in the gospel. John is one of a small group of people that were prophesied even before they were born. Among them, we have Samuel, Samson. We have a Jeremiah, and the same thing, Jesus Christ. So John emerged as a God's messenger for this season. In particular, John is introduced by the gospel as a messenger who would prepare the way for the Messiah. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, that we read this morning, we heard about uh, the one that was supposed to prepare the way. But also in Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, is mentioned the fact that God will send a messenger. And I'm glad this morning that when John is introduced, it is the fulfillment of these prophecies. You see, the Bible is so precise. This Bible is the word inspired by the Holy Spirit. And things that were anticipated centuries before we're finding the realization, the fulfillment at this moment when uh, John came to the life. And I believe it's so important for us this morning as we consider the reality of uh, the necessity of the preparing the way for the Messiah that we also are part of the big picture of the church of Jesus Christ. You see, John was the, the man for that particular time. 
we as a church are the people that will give testimony and prepare the way to King Messiah in this generation. The church is the forerunner of the Messiah in this time, in this generation. And uh, today, we anticipate Christmas uh, that will take place soon in two and a half weeks. But today, the gospel is bringing something different from the shepherds, uh, angels, and a manger. It's bringing this figure, this personality that is so strong. And it comes to us not in a funny way, but with a strong message. I believe that faith is made with a strong message. Now, let me challenge you with this. I believe that the most important is the guest that we have in our home, more we prepare ourselves for that coming, right? If you have to invite some personalities in your home, you want to make sure that the home is well prepared. I'm correct. And then you can imagine if a great personality uh, will come to your house, you want to make sure that everything is in order, right? Now, let me tell you something. The preparation significantly would depend on the person coming to visit you, right? Now, let me tell you this. How much more we should be prepared when we are receiving the king of the universe? The king and the maker of everything. Do we understand the privilege that we have waiting for the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the living God? So our heart should be prepared. Our heart should be cleaned. This is what John the Baptist came to say. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. John the Baptist is a major figure in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. So first came John the Baptist to prepare the way. Then came Jesus. Once John had set the stage, Jesus would take over. And I like that. You know, my brothers and sisters, the church is the one that will proclaim the coming of the Lord. And as I challenge ourselves and all of us last Sunday to live this season of Christmas in a different way, not be contaminated by the consumistic and materialistic aspect of the Christmas, I'm challenging you and me this morning that... Uh, we are the church of Jesus Christ, and we have the privilege to set the stage for the coming Messiah. I love what Paul says when he writes it to the Ephesians and the other epistles. They say that Christ will be glorified in the church. So as a church, we have a responsibility to bring the glory of Christ in our midst. If the church of Jesus Christ is dead, we are giving to the people outside the church, an impression that the church is not attractive, is not interesting. But when the church receives the visitation of the king, when the church has the place where the Holy Spirit dwells, we are giving a, a different picture of the church. The most beautiful organization, the most beautiful living organism where the presence of God delights it to be. And this morning, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist is so central to Jesus' message that all four gospel connect John's story to the person of Jesus Christ. And can you imagine if you today 
will bear that testimony, the witness to Jesus, that when people, they see you, they will see Jesus Christ in you. That you are the one to prepare Jesus to do ministry in the lives of other people. This is what is Christmas. is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Praise God for this. The Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, of Biblical Theology, pictures John the Baptist being the most important personality or character after Jesus Christ in all the gospel. You see, John was first in sequence, yet never first in importance. And this is what we need to remember today, my brothers and sisters. That as much we are preparing the way for the Messiah, we are not the one to take the glory. Above all, above us is Jesus Christ, the King. So we are just the one to prepare the way. We are just the messengers But like John did, we need to give the glory to Jesus Christ. He is the one that deserves to be at the center of this season. And like we say often in this beautiful sentence, Jesus is the reason of Christmas. Amen? Amen? So let's make Jesus truly the reason of the season. So let's see in John some lesson that we can learn this morning. First of all, John was a preacher with a message. He was a preacher, so a preacher needs to have a message. But you know what the church needs to manifest in this particular generation is not just a, a generic message of the gospel. John had a message. You understand what I'm trying to say? He truly had a message that was touching the heart of the people. It could attract crowds to him. No, his message was severe. was a message that was calling to repentance. John was not a crowd pleaser. He didn't care about the crowds. He had the message from the Lord. Repent. Come to the Lord. Prepare your heart. He expected people to come to listen to him and not him going to preach to others. You know, my brothers and sisters, when we know that we have a message, we are not scared to share the message. When we know that we have a message and the gospel is the answer, because the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of those who believed. We cannot think for ourselves only. We must share the message. The message of the gospel is able to change people, to transform people. And when you have the message in your heart and you know that it's coming from God, you are not scared to address the personalities. It doesn't matter which is their status or social uh, position. You know that there's a message. You know, when we read the text, we saw that Even Sadducees and Pharisees that were the cream of the religious people in that time, they went to him to be baptized. John was not stupid. He understood that those people were there just to show they were paying attention to that preacher that was considered a prophet. And he addressed them. What I'm trying to say is that the message that he had was pointed directly to the heart 
was not looking for superficial experiences in faith. He was pointing to the heart, to regeneration, to the presence of Jesus Christ. And that's why John was not a crowd pleaser. He was able to stand against those people of religion and against even the rulers like Herod. He stood against them when he was living in sin, even if he knew that he was paying an high price. By the way, John the Baptist finished his life by being beheaded, and his head was brought to this woman that he addressed as a sinful person. My brothers and sisters, when you have a message, sometimes you need to face opposition. When you have a message to share, you need to make sure that you are prepared to face opposition. This is what made strong the church of Jesus Christ to the centers. People are willing to lose their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what. John the Baptist is a great lesson for us. Matthew's gospel presented John as the preacher of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse 2 says, the message has a twofold. Very simple. First, there is a call to repentance. A word that means to turn around. To make a turn. To change one's mind and heart. Very clear. To repent is not just a matter of feeling sorrow. It's to change. Paul gives very clear instruction in chapter 4, the letter to the Ephesians, and part of the chapter 5. If you were a liar, now repent and move. Say the truth. If you were stealing, now work and earn your living. If you were a man that cannot control your anger, be in peace. Learn to manage your reaction. So there is a, a change that is necessary in the life of those who repent. Repentance without a change is not true repentance. It's very clear. But John the Baptist also preached about something different. Repentance then, because the kingdom of God is at hand. Then repentance is the response to is nearness. Repentance is to respond to the nearness of God in our lives. It's to be conquered by the person of Jesus Christ. It's to be conquered in your emotion, your feelings, in your minds, in your goals, in your ambitions about the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ becomes the model that you want to imitate. When you are willing to renounce everything that is opposing the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, then you are understanding that the repentance has taken place in your heart. And we remove uh, idols from us. We remove all habits that are taking us as slave. Here Matthew, like Mark, depicts John as a dynamic an influential preacher of true repentance. Because all the people were attracted by this. They came from all over the Judea and Jerusalem. You see, genuine conversions or changes are always related and manifested in the way that we are living. And when I say before that John addressed it, 
the Sadducees and the Pharisees is because they were well known for being double-minded. They were very good on the outside, but the inside was very dirty. And many times, my brothers and sisters, even the Church of Jesus Christ can be filled with people that are outside very clean and inside cannot really stand in the presence of God. We all need the coherence between who we are outside and who truly we are inside. That's the true message also that helps us to prepare the way for the coming King. You know, because only Jesus will rapture or will take with Him all the true believers. And if you read in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 7, there are a group of people that even if they performed a lot of miracles, a lot of things in God's name, they were not welcomed in heaven by Jesus Himself. You see, when we look at a person like John the Baptist, we are realizing how important is our coherence with what we believe. When we look at John the Baptist, we understand that preparing the way to the Messiah is not something superficial. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes surrendering our lives to Christ. And this season of Christmas may be a season where we learn how to surrender completely to Jesus Christ. John was a preacher with a message. Fairview Alliance Church, we need to have a message to share with this present generation. We need to have a message that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We cannot change the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may change the way that we reach people, but the message is always the same and cannot be different from repentance and true conversion. Then John was a prophet filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He trained in godliness before starting his public ministry. He was prepared to do the work of the Lord under the anointing of the Lord. You see, when I look at, at this man, I understand something that we cannot prepare the way of the Lord in the way that God wants unless the presence of the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts. Unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Unless we are giving the control to the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our lives. John the Baptist was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. The Gospel of Luke in chapter 3 verse 2 says, The word of the Lord that came to John, the son of Zechariah, while he was in the wilderness. And you know, when we look in the wilderness in the scripture, we look at a place of solitude. A place where you can encounter God. A place where you can be molded, shaped by the presence of God. And John the Baptist refused to be part of, or that world that was a stranger to God, to be in solitude with God. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not promoting here solitary life, or loneliness, or a monastic kind of life. But we need moments in our lives where we are alone with God, in a personal relationship. 
We need to pursue moments of reflection where we are with God alone, where we allow God to speak to our hearts, and where we allow the Holy Spirit to fill our thoughts, to fill our minds with His presence. Where we learn how to pray, where we learn how to fast, where we learn to trust in the Word of God. And also, the way that it was dressing, it was speaking already. He chose not the fancy boutiques to dress himself. Have you touched the skin of a camel? It's not the most pleasant in your skin. But that's the way that he made his clothes. And then he had this belt, leather belt, on his waist. Because it was a symbol also that could be identified with the prophet Elijah. If you go in the second book of Kings, in chapter 1, verse 8, you know that Elijah was a, the man of God dressed with a garment that was old to his body with this belt uh, later. So people understood, looking at the way that John was clothed, that it was a man of God. What I'm trying to say is that also our external signs of who we are give the people an idea of our faith or not. Let me say something. If you, in your place of work, on your class, use the same language, a faulty language, if you are sharing jokes that are full of double meaning, if you take the food without giving thanks to the Lord, how people can see in a visible way that you also have faith in Christ? There are moments where externally we need to give people an opportunity to see that we love God, that we are people of the book, that our heart is devoted to follow Jesus. The spiritual power that John received was that in that fellowship with God, and he shared that with other people. Let me tell you something. Even the apostles, before they started the powerful ministry that changed the world, they were supposed to wait in Jerusalem to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know how long this will come. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit will come. They didn't know. This can happen in one week. This can happen in one year, in ten years. But they were faithful. They didn't move from Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit came in their lives. Let me tell you, church, we cannot do the work of the Lord until we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Until we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us godliness, to teach us repentance, to teach us consecration. What I'm trying to say is that you cannot do the ministry of the Lord if you are not willing to be consecrated to the Lord. We maybe do something, but it's not a service to the Lord. The service to the Lord comes out a work of consecration, commitment to God. And John was the man with the anointing of God. And the Lord made many prophecies about the life of John the Baptist in Malachi, in Isaiah. The Bible says that even before John was born, he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the life of John one moment, briefly. He took the strict vow that any Jewish could take in that moment. The vow of being a Nazarite. The Nazarite was a man that was consecrated to the Lord. 
Eddie had some mysterious signs. His hair will never cut. He was not supposed to drink wine. So he was devoted to the Lord, in service to the Lord. John the Baptist was a Nazarite, like Samson. He had lived in the wilderness, preaching to the people. He consecrated himself. His ministry springs from an intimate communion and fellowship with God. He's an example of the suffering that any Christian could go through. But he was faithful until the end. So John the Baptist has a call and has a ministry that is a model for us. Because he endures his ministry and faithfulness to the Lord, even with the fact that he paid an high cost. Let me tell you something. Consecration has high cost. Don't think that Christian life is without problems. Don't think that Christian life is so smooth all the time. No. You know, salvation is getting free to all of us. It is given free. Jesus paid the price for us. But there is a price of consecration that we all have to embrace. And if we are not willing to pay the price and the cost, let me tell you, you will be a pew warmer. God wants us close to Him. He will use people that are willing and available to do His work. And take church. Let's take this opportunity of Christmas to say, my Lord, my Savior, I want to be the one that you will use. I want to be the one like John the Baptist. I want to be a man, a woman of consecration. I want to be a man, a woman that devoted himself or herself to the work of the Lord. I know that John was not perfect. He didn't have all the pictures ahead of him. Because John was human. At one moment, when he was in prison, deep in the dungeon, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus. Are you the Messiah or we are waiting for somebody else? Can you imagine John, the great preacher, in that moment had some doubts? But he heard the answer of Jesus Christ. Go and tell John that the blind are recovering the sight. Tell that the deaf are hearing again. Those who are paralyzed are walking again. Tell that the kingdom of God is at work. You see, John the Baptist was reassured about his work, about the fruits of his faithfulness. And my brothers and sisters, there are moments in our lives where we will have doubts about what we are doing. But the word of the Lord will come to us. And I love that John is an example to us even when we doubt. Because instead of dwelling in his doubts, he went to Jesus. And when you and I will face moments in our lives of doubting, we should go directly to Jesus and ask Him to fill our hearts and to speak to us in the way that He wants us to receive His answer. You know, God is faithful. John the Baptist was faithful. And Jesus recognized His faithfulness. He told the crowd, and his own disciples, that John the Baptist was the greatest among all the prophets of the Old Testament. Can you imagine? John the Baptist was the greatest. 
Yet, the small one on the kingdom of God is greater than him. So you and I today, we stand on a greater privilege than John the Baptist had. You know, when God is giving to us greater privileges, is giving us also greater responsibilities. What do we do with this revelation that we receive? What we are doing with the truth and the privilege of position that we have in the kingdom of God? Are we preparing the way? Because the third lesson that we learn that John gave witness to Jesus. He presented Jesus in his life. The gospel of John is very, very clear about the, about the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Look, this main job or main ministry that John had in his life was to tell people about Jesus, but not to hug the spotlight on him. My brothers and sisters, we have the responsibility to bring the attention on Jesus Christ. Is the reason of the season. And even when John was at the top of his popularity and would have been easy to attract the people to himself, John stayed faithful to bear witness to Jesus. And when he saw Jesus coming towards him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John, we find this in the chapter 1 of John, where the Gospel of John is bringing testimony of who Jesus was since the beginning of this gospel, we find that John the Baptist in verse 15 of the John chapter 1 it says, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Look at the humility that John the Baptist has. He's higher than me. He ranks higher than me. I'm just a, a small soldier. He's the head of the army. This is what he's trying to say. And then again, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. is him, not me. And again, maybe the most beautiful witness that he gives to Jesus in verse 34. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. What a wonderful testimony and witness John is giving. You see, John fully accepted his subordinate role to Christ, to the one that Christ had. And you know, it's difficult when you hold the popularity, when you hold the crowds that are coming to you and they are willing to do whatever you say, to say, I'm nothing. Him is everything. My brothers and sisters, we can have a popular ministry in the church around us. But let's remember that Jesus... Is the one who needs to take the preeminence. And I say this to you. I'm not afraid to say that. If I point you to myself. If you are here because of me. I'm a failure as a pastor. You need to be here because of Jesus Christ. Because he's worthy to receive praise. Because he deserves the best of the best of our consecration. Of our love. Of our submission to his way. And I love what John the Baptist says. He must increase. But I must decrease. Let this be our anthem. For this season of Christmas. 
Lord, you must increase in my life. I want to prepare my heart that you will increase and I will decrease. That's the lesson that we learn from John the Baptist. John did not exalt himself, but he raised Jesus in his life. And my brothers and sisters, in this season, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, to raise the person of Jesus Christ in your life. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. John allowed his disciples to leave him and to follow Jesus. Even those who spent time with him, he told them, go and follow Jesus. Can you imagine? <laughs> he had people that were serving him, that were close to him, that learned how to pray with him. But John said, go, follow Jesus. He is the one. <laughs> I'm just the forerunner. And, you know, maybe for you is something that maybe can be new to your attention. I want to bring it to your attention is something. You know that people like Apollos, you read Apollos in the Bible, in the book of Acts. This man was a very, very uh, knowledgeable man. He had a beautiful way to preach. And when he was teaching the scriptures, people were drawn to him because he was a great man. Apollos was influenced by John the Baptist. He was baptized by the baptism of John the Baptist. A great man. You know, when Paul reached Ephesus, and he saw believers already, those believers, before being filled with the Holy Spirit, just had to receive the baptism of John the Baptist. So it means that the ministry of John the Baptist, it was spread along the Mediterranean countries. He was an amazing person. But above all, Jesus was raised in his life. And this is a lesson for all of us. Doesn't matter how effective, how popular is your ministry. We must raise Jesus Christ. We must bring glory to Him. We must be like John preparing the way and say, He must increase and I must decrease. Let me close with some final application this morning. It's time in this Christmas that we should evaluate our priorities and direction of our lives. I believe that we cannot bring the gospel to other people if first we don't prepare ourselves. It's time to put aside whatever is uh, hindering the work of the Lord in our lives. My brothers and sisters, I know that it's terrible in this time of the year. People are rushing and rushing, and we are part of the group of people. The other day I was passing by the shopping center. There was no possibility that was parking closer to the stores. We are looking to gifts, preparation, uh, decorations, and all of this. Can I give you a little advice this morning to bring with you? Slow down. Make time for God. Make time for God's word. Make time for prayers. Make time to attend church. Make time to reflect on what God wants you to change. Sometimes I feel that we deal with sin as a taboo. Something that we don't want to touch. Something that we keep for ourselves. Something that should be not mentioned. 
And you know, the devil works in that way. It brings you in a position of darkness where no one sees your weaknesses and, and the work that God needs to do in your life. It's time to allow the light of Jesus Christ to come and change us. It's time that we give it freedom to the Holy Spirit to speak to us in those areas of our lives that need to be changed. So we may prepare the way for our Lord and Savior. We have a wonderful God who not only made a promise about Jesus Christ, but who also acted upon the promises and is granting us favor and grace and mercy and compassion. So let's take the time to evaluate our priorities and our direction in our lives. Then let us wait in great anticipation of what is to come. Waiting that carries some anticipation and some meaning is the connected to the way that we prepare. You know, think for a moment. Let's be honest. Sometimes we avoid to go to see a doctor because we know that they truly teach you to be a patient, right? There is a beautiful sign, waiting room. You know what I'm trying to say? Waiting is killing us. We don't want to wait. When right away things, right away. But let me tell you, there is another kind of waiting that is exciting. When you look for something to happen, that you look with anticipation. You know, sometimes it's a privilege of my ministry to marry people. And I love always to look at the groom waiting for the bride. I remember the last marriage that I performed. Daniel was waiting, a little bit nervous. I was looking at his hands. But when the bride, Christine, came through the doors, man, he changed completely his demeanor. That's the attitude that we should have with our groom, Jesus Christ. We look with anticipation the day that is coming back. Lord, come back. That's the anticipation that we should have in our lives. That's the anticipation that we should have when we come in church together with other believers. Don't spend time screaming and talking outside. Come inside and prepare your heart for the service. And then let us stand on the promise of the future coming of the Lord and set our lives in such expectations. We are people that are marching to Zion. I love that song. We are marching to Zion. We are marching to Zion, the beautiful city of God. That's our expectation. That's our final destination. I love what the Hebrews says. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. I like this verb, eagerly waiting for him. My brothers and sisters, let's prepare the way. Let's eagerly wait for our coming king. Amen? Can we all stand in God's presence?